Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and a good Arab Shabbos. Um, We're hard of hearing. There we go. Uh, I, uh, I've, I've been warned, I've been warned any time that I've ever introduced Rabbi, um, warned post-facto of the introduction that uh, Rabbi tells me I don't need to hear another eulogy. So, um, so I, uh, I certainly won't. I, I, cer- I certainly won't give a eulogy. What I will say is the opposite, is that uh, we're on our way to Matan Torah, Matan Torah, which is Kihem Chayenu V'Arif Yamenu, that's our life. And uh, myself and many of the Rabbim and the Mechanchim and many of uh, the members of BRS and BRS West are all Talmidim Avrebi. It's uh, without exaggeration that uh, Rav fingerprint is on every community in the United States of America, from uh, small to large, from leadership of schools and shuls, Jewish organizations. Rablachman's involvement and engagement with all of our lives is monumental and unprecedented amongst Rabbim. In the last uh, few years and decades. But you're not here to hear me this evening. You're here to hear Mary Barabi Rablachman. And so without further ado, Rishos Rabbi. Good evening. Uh, I'd like to specifically point out my sister, sister sister-in-law, and brother that are here today. That's a unique pleasure and honor. that um, those people which mentored me and I saw them as my guiding light, how they impacted my life. And I guess through that, the lives of whoever somehow fell under my tutelage. Why learn Torah? Well, you can say it very nice, you know, the Gemara has a kasha, the Gemara asks, why do we blow chauffeur? Lamet, the Gemara says, what do we mean why we blow chauffeur? Because God said so. That's very nice. Who might we blow chauffeur? So I can always tell you you should learn Torah because God said so. Nice. But somehow that doesn't connect me to it totally, subjectively. Why do we learn Torah? Specifically, Gemara. I spent all my life literally spending days and nights on learning Gemara. I mean, you can sit on a tesis for three days. Why do that? There's so many, there's so many other things to learn. Why does the curriculum of most people, you know, what do you do? You do daf yoimi or things like that. You're always learning your more. And here I want to teach you something, if I may. You know, there's a mitzvah to love God. How do you love God? So, you know, most people think it's like uh, you have an emotional high. I don't know what. Still remember there was a uh, group of boys from Karabiavna that um, had a Malava Malka on the rooftop of Yeshivata Kotel in the old city with music and the whole spiel. And they came back and I, um, in my cynical way, says, no, how was it? Says, Rabbi, we felt close to God. So I told them, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a kid, 
I grew up in New York for four years. I was introduced to the Rolling Stone magazine. Anybody ever hear of that? I don't know if he's still alive, Mr. Jagger. But you know what I mean? The Rolling Stone magazine. And Rolling Stone magazine, this, the young ones wouldn't know what that is, but you have to be like my age to, to understand what the Rolling Stone magazine was. And um, there was an advertisement. I usually had advertisements. So you pay like five, six bucks. They make you a bishop of a church and you have a tax break. But then there was one advertisement which really took me, and I'll never forget it. It said, do you want to be close to God? When you pass on, we'll cremate you. And put your ashes in one of these capsules that, that, that was a Sputnik in those days. You know what I mean? And you'll revolve around the globe and you'll be closer to the low. So I says, you know what? You guys were as close to God on that rooftop in the old city as those poor suckers that bought that got those cremated and put around in some thing which is encircling the globe. You were close to your toes. You had an emotional high. What is close to God? Ramam describes this is spoken at length in Siddhis, but it's basically based on this is the thesis, the Misa of Sefer Atanya. It's all based on Rambam. The Rambam writes, How does one love God? What does it mean to love God? Well, first, let's, let's define the concept love. We all feel it, felt it. Hopefully we'll feel it. I don't know, wherever you are in life. Define love. And I'm going to get, well, it's like this. Well, it's like that. that, that that's not a definition of where I come from. What is love? If I may bother you with my formulation, it's an obsessive desire for constant proximity. Think about it. An obsessive desire for constant proximity is what love is. You always want to be somehow together. Whether you're going to call it emotionally, whether you'll be physically, it really doesn't matter. For other people, distance makes the light of the heart go fonder. That is love, the search for proximity. Ramam describes how does one love God? He says, you know what you do? It's unbelievable. He says, you buy yourself a telescope or a microscope, and you learn natural sciences, and you see the wondrous wisdom of God in creation. He looks at unbelievable, takes science, you know, goes to the Museum of Natural History in Central Park, looks at the wisdom of creation and he realizes the infinite wisdom of God. How profound is, how deep it is. Ultimately what happens, he says, miyad, intuitively and immediately, if you're an honest observer, and you realize that all this is the handiwork of God, miyad hu'ohev, you love you glorify and you praise. And you end with an obsessive desire to have an emotional, intelligent experience. Hashem Hagadol, the ultimate God source of creation. You see this unbelievable world and your mamish want to know him more. The quest for knowledge of who God is, what it means is the act of love. The act of love, the act, that obsessive desire to understand God more. Introduced through, yeah, by collecting rocks and leaves and fireflies, for all I know. Of taking my children to the zoo, or instead of buying them a tzosachoshin, buying them a, a, a telescope. Teaching them astronomy. Not being afraid of caves. Or fossils. I love fossils. Teaching the wonders of science through the eyes of religion and seeing God's creation, according to Rambam, is the way. It's 
old school. Today, somehow, people think that science is at odds with religion. Rambam didn't think so. Rambam thought that true science, true science, is never at odds with religion, for it reflects the wisdom of God. We don't always understand that wisdom, but we realize it's infinitely there. So, yes, um, there's a mitzvah to love God means to constantly search to know him. There's another mitzvah, which we're all commanded in. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. God says, I am the omnipotent source of all existence. That's what Yudkevavke means. Elokecha, and I am your Lord. Thus, know me and recognize me. Maimonides points out that this is a mitzvah say, a positive commandment, that God demands from you, learn, teach, learn, investigate as much as you can at whatever level you are to try to know as much about God as possible. It's called the mitzvah of Yediyas Hashem. Happens to be the first Rambam in the book, mitzvah say, Leida Shiyesh Sham Matsui Rishon. Doesn't say faith. Says you must take whatever discipline you have. Try your best to know what you can about a Kurdish Baruch. Now let me tell you something, and that is with, when you have an obsessive desire to know who, who God is, because that is, I mean, anybody who ever learned Chassidus in his life knows thus the Iker Taira of Chassidus, Yedea Salakus, to bring into Avavira. These bonus meditation on the greatness of God is the way to be moilid, to bring into your life an emotional experience of Ava and Yer Hashem. All 53 Prakram of Tanya talk that loud and clear. You know, um, man, women, they want to find love. And, you know, people, they date. Now, people somehow think the young ones think, you know, dating, you, you don't know, you eat spaghetti together, you do some race, ice skating in Rockefeller Center, and, you know, you go top of the sixes, you know. You don't have to talk too much because you're eating most of the time. Or you're competing in bowling. You know, there's so many great things to do, but you don't have to talk too much. And then, well, you're fine. You're fine. Let's get married. Poor, poor kids. The only thing true in that wedding may be the photographer. Nothing more than codifying some external relationship which has no basis. Except that you make me happy, I make you happy. You know what I do when I... Um, when a couple comes to me to talk about marriage, I tell him, Yankala, you see her? Nice, nice looking girl, huh? Yeah. Imagine her 30 years later, curlers in her hair. Um, she looks more like obelisk than in Tintin, if you know what I mean. Uh, disproportionate, and so on and so weiter. You sure you want to marry her? Why do you want to marry her? This stays, you know, X amount of time. Then she looks like Cher. She starts doing Botox or Shmotox, whatever. It's a garnish. What's left? It's an empty shard. Why do you want to marry her? And then I call in the girl. Says, nice kid, huh? Fine, Bucher, right? Learns very nicely. But get get this straight. In another few years, she's going to make a living. And if he does that for you, you'll be happy. Let's be honest about this. You want a decent life. So he's going to have to, he signs the ksuba. He's going to have to pay the bills. But he's the best bucher in, under river was. Now I want to tell you about him. You see, he looks good now. He's going to be so bald, you can make Kiddush Levon on his skull. 
I'm telling you. He's going to have a pot belly. Look at me. I was lanky and had a big bush of hair in covering his shoes. Now, I'm here and a few pizzas, does it? You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, he'll be bald. He's going to be pot bellied and he's probably going to have a raspy voice like he was born in Volusia. Okay? Why would you want to marry a thing like that? And I forced him to tell me why you really want to marry him. And finally, thank God it comes out because of her personality, her midos, her value system. He says, well, how would you find that out? By eating spaghetti and ice skating and bowling. You did everything possible not to talk with each other. He says, Rabbi, that's why it takes nine months. Can you imagine if you really be focused? You could finish this whole spiel in five days. What's your value system? Who are you for real? Can you take your mask off? I'll tell you a, a private anecdote. If my wife hears this, I'll probably be slaughtered. But I'll tell you the truth. I am, um, well, I remember when I was dating the lady, which thank God became the, what, my wife, the mother of my children and the grandmother of my grandchildren. Uh, and, uh, and at the second date, she looks at me and says, look, I was walking around prancing, you know, best buffer in, whatever it is. All the things feel the same, same gig I, I had. I, I was one of those. No, the Ich bin, you know, I am. And, uh, you know, Kabusa with this, this, you know, look good. It wasn't like this then. She looks at me and she says, you know something, if you would take off your mask, you'd be a really good guy. I looked at her and says, I'm marrying you. It was the second date. It took me a year to convince her. But, uh, but for real, that did it. There was someone there which attached herself not to the external facade, but what she imagined, <laughs> but what she imagined was really there. Sexy girl. Now, don't you understand you also want to date God? What do you know about it? Oh, he's nice. Is God really nice? What about the God you see in the ecology ward? Is he really nice? What the God which uh, killed my two-year-old brother in Auschwitz? Is he nice? What about the God of the Holocaust? What about Rwanda? What about wherever it be across the globe? Is he just nice? He can be unbelievably nice. But if he be a human, they put him in jail for abuse. Because he can also be in a way that we don't feel is nice. We admit that he knows what he's doing. We say, Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melechon dayan ha'emet. You know what you're doing. We admit that. Do we feel, do we say, you're so nice when you go to a funeral? No, you don't. Don't feel, you don't feel he's nice. You feel he's right. He's just. He knows what he's doing. There's a plan. That's just nice. So what is God? God is Rachum V'chanun. And God is also Kanoi Venekim. On one hand, he is so compassionate and so merciful. And on the other hand, in history, you see him as um, vindictive and vengeance. The same Minas Harachmim says that too. Hashem Hashem says also Kanoi Venekim. It's complex. And you want to love that complex. God has revealed in the scriptures. You want an obsessive desire to understand the value system of who God, what, I don't know who he is, for he's infinite. I can only know God through how he has revealed himself to us through his midos, through his hanhaga, through his behavior, in the scriptures and in history. 
and I want to know who he is. So I want to date him. Well, he has no time for spaghetti and ice skating. How do we date God? So the Gemara says in Masechet Shabbos, Anoichi, first word of the Decalogue, Anoichi, I. I love that statement. Me. Okay, God says, Anoichi is an acronym for Ano, I, Nafshi, myself. Katab, have written myself in a book. Yahiv, then I gave myself to you. Aleph, I, Nun, myself. Chof, written. Yahiv, and I gave myself. I wrote myself in a book, and I presented that to you. God says, learn my Torah. Distill its laws and its rules into meta-halachic principles, ultimately philosophical underpinnings, finally values. Nachmanides in his interpretation to uh, the Bible in um, next week's Parsha for you people. I mean, you must feel crazy with this Achrei Mos. You, you read it eight times, you know, between Mondays and Thursday. You must know Achrei Mos till Shani Balpeh. I mean, you know the sugar you learn. Okay? Well, I did that, so I don't have to sit here the shops, by the way. Okay? Uh, I'm holding my Kedoshim. You know? So at the end of the Ramban writes in Kedoshim, how are we supposed to do the right thing? You can't legislate everything. There's a value system, right? What's moral? It's a Pasuk and Chumash. You have to do Yashar and Taif. What's Yashar and Taif? Tell you a story. There was a great Great Rosh Hashiva, which for a short time was the Rashiva of HUC, of a Hebrew, uh, the- HTC, of Hebrew Theological College, Beit Midrash Torah in Chicago, a garden of Aaron Alevi Solovechik. So um, I came home once from Eretz Yisrael, so I went to visit him. I actually had the honor of teaching his uh, great-grandchild in my shir this year. It was really a like closing a circle. His name was Aaron, is Aaron Soloveitchik. And um, uh, Andrew Aaron, he lived on Ardmore Street over there. I went to visit him. There was some kind of a scandal then with nursing homes, with, with you know, Yiddish shtick, whatever it is, uh, somehow. Uh, not exactly honest behavior and people were put into jail. Whatever it be, I don't want to go into the particulars. And he was like, like a dragon on fire. And I say to him, The worst thing you could have said to Rebbein Soloveitchik. He's from. So he looks at me and he says, Yungermanchik, that means young one. The galach zazayim from. Ayid avzayim erlich. Let the local bishop be religious. A Jew has to be straightforward and honest. I'll never forget it. That's learning for somebody. That word takes me very, very far. How do I know what's right and what's wrong? So Ramban says, you learn all so much Gemara, but you then distill it into value systems of how to interact with people, how to respect the individualism of people, how to respect their feelings. You learn about you understand what the rights of privacy are. How you should respect people's domain and not 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 not, not push yourself into it. Invite you, invite you endlessly. He says, you learn Seder Tyrus, the laws of mikvah, etc. You understand that God wants and respects personal hygiene. He literally writes, if you would understand that Mesetta well, you'd shower every day. You'd brush your teeth. Sometimes I go on these buses that go from Ashdod with a bunch of Hasidish people. I think that uh, it's very hard to be there in the summer. Well, Hashem, they're like uh, healthy people, uh, and they take two seats on the bus, and uh, they didn't learn that Ramban. What can I do? Literally, brushing your teeth is a mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. 
to Ramban. The Torah is not just laws. Those laws are there to be distilled through analytical process of thought, creating meta-halachic principles which transcend the philosophical underpinnings ultimately into values. And that's what you're looking for. You're learning Torah to understand God's values. You're learning Torah to understand what makes him tick. You want to know him. Not just, oh, holy Lord, kumbaya, boo, and roll your eyes backwards and forwards. No, no, no. You really want to know what his value system is. I want to date him. That's why I learned you more. Takes a lot of learning, a lot of thinking, a lot of distilling. But they state the Ramban, Mamashin Ramban. And the Ramam himself writes in the Sefer Mitzvahs that another way of knowing God, not just through science, is also through reading his Torah, the Sefer Mitzvahs. It says, How do you, etc. The Ram himself writes that there are two levels of love, primarily known through science. Then find out who he is. That's through learning. That's the purpose, should be the purpose, of any base medish of Limud, of Taira, of any learning at all. Yediyas Hashem to know God. And for that, my friends, all are commanded, men, women, and children. This is not governed by gender. If the mitzvah of Abbas Hashem demands learning, then all people in this room, whether men or women, are mechuyiv in learning. Great leaders of our past generation have already introduced that. The people should be learning whatever it takes to be Gavav Hashem. I can think of the Chafetz Chaim. I can think of the Rav Zuchar and Levracha, what he instituted learning in CERN. I can think of the Bab Chireb as the Chutzayim Levracha. Great people understood that we were all commanded in Yediyas Hashem and in Avos Hashem. The way to do it is to learn. Because Ava means mitaveh tavagdola. In light of this, I want you to understand, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm still growing, I looked for people which somehow would teach me that, enhance that, and help me find the skills to get there. And here I... I have to fill my debt to my beloved student, Rabbi Blumenthal, that he cursed me into telling stories. So um, I'll select a few just to understand what you learn from different people. <laughs> you know, I don't know of a person which was more private yet more inclusive than the late Bab Chirebbe Zechitzayetibach. He was an unbelievably private person. As much as people thought he was a public figure, he was an unbelievably private person. And he kept his privacy. Whatever we know, we know nothing. But I never met a person more inclusive than that. Everybody, everything. And here I'll tell you a private story. I actually told this to my brother recently. You think of a person like that and you think of um, whatever, you know, I'm not from a Bobbitcher family in any fashion, form, or size, to say the least. My Zayda learned in What can I tell you? You know what I mean? Uh, it was a dying in Grodna. It couldn't get worse, you understand? My father prepared shir with Rav Shemeshkov, you understand? As a young boy, he looked in Kletsk for two Zman and Barbar and Kotla. It wasn't exactly a 
didn't exactly come from 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 Belarus, from, from that part of the world. Now, Tefillin was this way. <laughs> Can I tell you? Uh, so, Ashgachel Yoyna, without going into the hows and whys, I ended up as a small child. In, my parents sent me away to learn. I ended up in Labav Chishiva in, in Bedford Avenue, corner of Dean Street. Bedford-Stuyvesant area of New York. In those days, Bed-Stuy was a bad neighborhood. Uh, now I think it's gentrified or something like that. It, it was really very bad. The address of the school, I still remember, 19 Grand Square. My room was 402, if you really want to know. Um, and Shabbos, we were sent off to um, eat by families in the Crown Heights area, where the, where the Rebbe is. I was lucky enough to be a Ben Bayes by Yechon and Gordon, which was which was the Gabai of the Shul. Talk about people that influenced me. You know, Rabbi Yechon was a very, wasn't very learned, enigma. But whenever I used to walk him in the street, he was just saying Mishnah's Bopet. He never walked Wasting time. No, you see certain types of people. That's all. Mishnah is The guns in sight. I'm not joking. I couldn't talk to him when I walked him home. He's, <laughs> you want to stay with me? He's and I can tell you do one Mishnah, do another. You know. That's what you call it for Tzaita Shayid. You see a Jew, a Tmimistic Jew, which understands what Torah is and Kiyem Chayim is like the real thing, and he's constantly saying Mishnah is Small things that I was a little boy of 11 years old, okay? And here, I, this is the man I saw every Shabbos. It does a lot to you, it raises the, uh, the bar to what we're, what's a Jew supposed to look like. So we used to daven in the base uh, medrash of the 770 Eastern Parkway. It's not what you people know today. It's the old, the major core building on the same floor of the Rebbe's office. There's a small base medrash to the right. That was the shul. That was the yeshiva. Inside, two rooms in was the Shmuel Levitin's hovel over there. And there was the America's office. It was a small thing. What they used to call them, Ganeidna Aelion. That's what it was. So, obviously, Shabbos was a bit packed. No, I didn't. They just sat, stood there. Stone sat. You stood there and I doubted. I'm a little boy, I'm 11 years old. And my menial rabbi, Tenemam, calls me into his office and says, The rabbi says, You're losing weight. Why would he know that I'm alive? The rabbi says, You're losing weight. And the Rebbe says, it's probably because you're too lazy to bench. Hit it on the nail. And that's why you don't eat bread. So the Rebbe says, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is one of these barrel wine stories. This happened. Okay? It's not one of these Shifchei Baal Shem Tov stories. This, this is not art scroll. This happened to me. Okay? And, uh, and, 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 and he says, you're probably too lazy to, to, to bench. That he must have had apart, so if he figured out this is what this kid is. And then they put the, the Manada said, the Rebbe says to take two goons, two bachram, to make sure that, make sure that I wash and eat bread every meal. He hit it on the nail. I will never forget, this is one of the things which, which, which changed my life. That the big Rebbe, somehow is running the world, cares about a, I'm a foreigner. I did not come there uh, as a Lubavitcher family, and I had planned to stay for three years and then go to Panavish. Somehow I stayed for four years and ended up with Hebron. What's the difference? Okay, I, I left. I was, and the Rebbe cared of a small little boy. And that for me tells me who Lubavitcher is. You're so inclusive that you really are concerned of an 11-year-old child. 
that part of the Rebbe I cherish and take with the rest of my life. You should you may encompass the big picture, but every small part of it is important. A little child or a little boy. This went in further, I'll tell you here from the thing I ever told this one. Um, well, I was there, my bar mitzvah. And my bar mitzvah is right between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and anybody that grew up in Lubavitch knows no one leaves the Rebbe for Simchas Torah with greatest respect. You know, I couldn't care less for this bar mitzvah. Who knows what? I'm not going home. So I told my parents, I'll come home after Sukkot for Shabbos Barashas, then you'll do my bar mitzvah. <laughs> if you don't have to, you have to have it see you just don't go, you know, that's the highlight of it. That and kiss is, is the year. So I am um, going to the Rebbe, first time in my life in Yechidah's private audience. And you know, you write this piece of paper, whatever it says, it says over there. So I, you know, and I give it to him, he's sitting at his desk and I give it to him and I'm like, I'm really shaking because you know, he's not, he really is an awesome person. You know how awesome he was. An anecdote. Did you ever see a person daven and not move? Not move. Ramrod straight in pure meditation, literally not moving. Holding his sitzis and not moving. You see all these rabbis daven, they look like window, like, 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 like you know, windshield wipers. You know, especially in the rains of Florida. Nobody didn't move. He had total control of himself. He's an awesome person. He's scary. And I go in and I, you know, give him this settle. Pond, it's called. And the Rebbe holds it. And I, I'm about to, no, 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 hold it. <laughs> and he says, okay, what do you write yet? He's reading my pond with me. No, that, that's his own. <laughs> what do we hear? I didn't know I, you have to understand this is very, you have to, if you hop how frightening this is, this is very frightening. And, and the Rebbe says, well, do you know your pshatl? He says, yes. Well, your father isn't here, so I will have to test you on your pshatl. That's frightening. <laughs> but he's telling me I'll be your surrogate father to a little boy, which, believe me, does not come from the Babacher family. Because his daddy isn't here, he'll be his father. And this is the man that cares about the universe. This is the man that cares about little boys. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. And then when I somehow got through it, I had a very long this. Usually those days it was a minute and a half. I was there for 20 minutes. Almost like Rabbi Lau, you know what I mean? In those days, it didn't happen. And the Rebbe says, no, what's with the mimer? Oh, man, I was sweating bullets. And I says, no, your father wouldn't forhear you on the mimer. So she, I'll forhear you on the mimer. So I started singing over the mimer. He stopped me in the middle and says, okay. And then he sends, the, his secretary was Rabbi Chadikov. And he told him to call Rabbi Gordon, my, 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 the Gabbai. He says, the little boy, on two days after Yom Kippur, his parents aren't here. We have to make him a party. So he says, call Simpson, Jacobson, Levitin. You know, these are the names of the Rabbi Rashab's Talmudim. Tell them all to come after Shachris and Hilchazah the Maimur in the Bay in the Son of He made me have a mitzvah. How great can one be to care about a little child? Is there anything greater than that? Is there anything greater than understanding a, a small child, a Yiddish kind? For me, you know, I know the Bible did a lot of great things, all scholarship, and this is just it's very nice. For me, he's the man said, I care about you. And he care about everybody. But me, it hit me in a very, very personalized way. So 
that's one. That guiding light about take the whole picture, but see all the protein. It's what I think the lesson that I have from about charity. Every person has to find his own relationship with the person. Those little acts of kindness, of, of caring, and I'm going to say again, he knew how to do this to everybody. That's what's frightening. But he gave himself totally to me then. A plain that garnished a Pittsburgh's week, you know what I mean? That was Rabbi M. M. Schneerson, that's one person. You're looking for a mentor? Look for a person which will care for you. Look for a person which when he talks to you, he's all yours. That there's nothing else but you at this moment. Look for a person which will ennoble you, enable you, and give you the courage to go further. That's what a teacher is supposed to be. And then I was Zeichel come to heaven yeshiva I'll never forget I was supposed to leave to Lubavitch to go to Eretz Yisrael after three years but my Rebbe Rebbe Ushbal went to a, a congress a, 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 a convention of Agudas Rabbanim and Zechren Levracha of David Lipschitz one of the yeshivas of YU which he knew me I went to him for Shabbos a few times he asked why does Blackman want to leave your school he wasn't supposed to tell him that. So, well, well, you know, well, then the steamroller went on, and um, there ain't no way I was going to leave that year. It wasn't going to happen. You know, everything was on my back. So finally, a year later, I left, but I decided I will not tell anybody. And I did some of one of the things which I think is the biggest chutzpah in the world. I sent a letter to the Rebbe the day when I came to New York to go to the airport. I didn't ask. I says, I'm going to Hebron Yeshiva. <laughs> I didn't wait for the answer. I was so ashamed of myself, I didn't walk into 770 for my five years. Until one of my friends stepped me back into there. But uh, I, just, I wanted to go. I wanted to learn whatever I wanted to learn. And that... I was going to do it. So I remember going to my garden. says, Mendel, promise me. He really was afraid, you know, go become a Lutvak. It's like, you know, I'm going to get baptized or something like that. So he says, promise me you'll always put on tefillin. <laughs> okay, I kept my promise. <laughs> I'll never forget this. Zagmer Tzu, the Shtendit Legendfilm. He was really scared. Well, I'm, I'm, I am moderately orthodox. I mean, there's something like it. You know. I'm really not orthodox. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be Shemitari Mitzvahs. Orthodox is a Greek word which can mean multiple things. So it's, a, it's a social umbrella which can be anything from I don't know what to wear, don't know what. Uh, I try to be Shemitari Mitzvahs and, and make God happy with me. Uh, but uh, I came to Heaven Yeshiva, and here I met my second mentor. Man, which uh, I knew his schedule because we learned Chavusa for 10 years. I finished learning with him at 12.30 at night. 4.30, he was up every morning already learning Chumash and Rambach. I mean, I went to, the, I, I vacationed with him. I, I, I mean, Peter, Yachalti, Miyenosh, Asisi, I literally was a child of his. I, you know, cute kids, young, so they adopt them. So I'm, 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 I'm once again, the little American which came to Eretz in 1964, no one came to Eretz You know what I mean? You got a Sachnut ticket or something like that. So the little American, they like you, it's cute, you know, whiz kids or whatever, other fun. So, you know, whatever it is, we became Chavrusa, we used to live six hours, sometimes eight hours a day. And this went on till years after I married him, after my chasna, I lived with him every night for three hours. I used to come home from Kailu at seven, nine o'clock, I was ready in Yibat Mordechai until 12. Uh, so 
This was Rebzisl Breunik. I can tell you endless things about him, but I want to tell one story which I shared publicly. And this will tell you who this person was. In um, the winter of 1968, there was a very big snowstorm in Jerusalem. In those days, they didn't have salt or anything in Jerusalem, you know, the time for So the city was closed for, for almost for a week, literally. Everything was closed. So what do young boys do when you're in the yeshiva and the big snow? Never had this before in Eretz Yisrael. There was a snowball fight, which is quite normal. So we're having the snowball fight outside the yeshiva. And one of my friends today is a choshiva or shishiva. I don't want to say his name, big mechaber swarm. And he packs the snowball and he throws it at me. I ducked. But you know what? Right next to the yeshiva building was, was, the, was the house of the Roshi HaYeshiva. And my Rebbe of Raida, he would go from his house, his library, and where we would learn was in the yeshiva building. I duck, and I go to see what he'd get. And there's Rebbe Zistas walking away. He gets a smack into his head. I look at him. He didn't turn his head to see where it came from. And he went further. I go into the into his office afterwards, sit and learn. So I looked at him and says, you know, Mama, you got hit by a snowball. He says, how do you know? He says, because I'm the one that ducked, that's why you got it. No. But you didn't flinch. You didn't move your face. Why not? It's not, it's not normal. Let, let's be honest. I mean, looks at me and says, what would I gain by moving my head? And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. The man had trained himself not to make a movement without thinking, will it be right or wrong? Will it hurt somebody? Will it not hurt somebody? You know, to do that in a split second, that means you're a yogi. That means you have total control of moyach, your mind controls your body and your instincts. Then I understood what learning can do. Yeah, if you basically put down 19 hours a day, like he did. I mean, uh, excuse me, I mean, he slept for what, for three and a half, four hours, add another two hours of davening, six hours. 18 hours a day. That's what this man put out. Excuse me, I must say the honest truth. For 20 minutes, between 2 and 2.20, every morning, every afternoon, he would put his feet on the couch, open the radio to hear the news. You have to know what's in the world. That's part of his Hashem, was that too. So, you know, you learn with the person that... I remember once I asked him some advice. His wife walks in and says to me, what are you asking him for? <laughs> you only take him out in the street during a tightness. <laughs> what would he know? <laughs> so I said, nobody listens to the news. No, maybe. But <laughs> she thought he was a space cadet. But I can tell you he wasn't. Because that unbelievable learning formed a person whose values were so pure that he wouldn't move unless it made sense. You ever see people at a bus stop, they're always fidgeting, and okay, when's it coming? And they move right and left. That's not him. The exact opposite of that. Kulay Seicho. Now, this is a person, I repeat, I used to vacation with him. Vacation, used to go to Galate Sands, so I used to take a room for two, and I was the number two, because we basically learned all that. Okay, so he needed his chavrusa, so I was there for vacation. Well, we used to go to the beach together. You know, he was much as dull at Tyre, but he did headstands on, on the tiny beach. Like a nice, normal person. So you can actually be a normal person, you know, and don't literally control your instincts. You don't do things if they're not right. Thus is that Tam so I actually learned that, yes, Torah means that. See, that's what Torah means. 
means broad-mindedness, it means love of the world, it means, it means inclusiveness, and it means total control of the mayach and the heart. I can tell you endless stories, because I spent years learning with him, but the time is what it is, so I'm going to end with another one. And then I was like to have a uh, very, very important mentor in my life. The name was Rav Yitzchak Hutna, the Rashiva of Masif Tachai Berlin. Also, unbelievably, <laughs> I don't know what you know. He, dema- he was a sergeant mage. He demanded perfection and excellence. <laughs> I don't know if you know ancient, old, Hebrew poetry. It's a very famous poem by Chaim Nachum Bialik called Hamatmid. It glorifies the masmid of a lojan that sits and learns and how the beauty of that. So I'm sitting, walk into him because we had this weekly bechina. Would you believe it? I'm a married man. I had a weekly bechina of what was done in Kailo. He would start quoting Rambam and if I couldn't finish it, he says, get out of here. Which meant, I want to see you. You didn't learn Okay, so you, know, you put Rambam, any Rambam that he thought you should have seen, and as he was said, we knew, Bush take fighter. That's how it went. Tell me over the Taishwis. It wasn't a lumdalach, it was, he had to know something. So, you know, so he's talking, he was a lot of fun. He was awesome, frightening, but a lot of fun. He was a great storyteller, very complex person. <laughs> And we were scared of him because he's awesome. He was he was Malchus. I mean, you never should, it's like going to the Rebbe. You never showed your back to him. You walked out like like, like you know with your back to the door. Uh, it was you didn't just call up and say hello. And um, so remember, he started quoting a Bialik Samasmit. And he says, "No, what's the next stanza?" I don't know. You're an ignoramus. Go home, know it, and come back to me. That doesn't know with everybody. He chose what to say to who. He demanded awareness, openness. He demanded excellence. He wasn't easy to be with. And I'm, I'm not joking, but, but he was... And therefore, it's in light of this, I'm going to tell you the contingency you understand what he was to me. What? Rebutsa Kutner. Bronzeville, Amola Gitzaitan. You're talking about good old Chaim Berlin, you know. What? Yeah, Bruya. Yeah, I learned Chavrusha with her husband. Yeah. So, um, so he, um, My sister, Zichren Levracha, had a terrible ski accident in Vermont. And uh, I was in Paris, freshly married. I'm married to a Parisian lady. And uh, I was there for, uh, was it for Pesach, I think it was right. And uh, I get a phone call that this uh, happened. So obviously I left my wife and I flew to America, and whatever happened, uh, so I I called them up, and I said, listen, I'm in town, this is what happened, I'm asking that you should, in the yeshiva in Berlin, they should uh, daven for her. Suddenly, every day I get a phone call, either from him, his son-in-law, or his daughter, how is she? I'm in Chicago. You were in Albany. And I'm getting these phone calls daily. Okay, whatever happened, happened. It would seem to be that I, it was understood I was going to go back to Paris. I didn't call to say, call him to say goodbye. After a day in Paris, I get a phone call from him. Just let <laughs> Hutner. Oh no. It says, Du bist a Eiswolf. Mr. Umbench. 
Ich schlaf nicht genecht wie dein Schwester und du kennst mir nicht sagen, ey, du gehst, wie sie halt. I don't sleep nights because of your sister and you walk away without telling me how she's doing. And I just looked and says, you're not normal. Das Said. The big of Hutner didn't sleep nights because there was, he didn't know, but it was my sister. Okay. The common denominator is great people are normal. Great people don't have to be up in the stars. They shouldn't be. Great people are like God. Hashemayim Kisi. Yeah, his share is the heavens. Va'aretz Hadom Raglai. He's got two feet entrenched in reality. And he'll tell you one more story of another person which impacted me heavily was the Meshkiach of Heaven Yeshiva. His name was Rameir Chodosh. Him, I went to to understand what is this to be a good husband. So far, not bad. I mean, happily married. Um, why did I choose him? Because when he used to go on vacation, he used to give me a key of his house to take care of it. So, you know, you look around into the family pictures, etc., and then you suddenly go into the bedroom and you see this big picture of him as a chassan and a kala in a very cozy way. And the man's 85, and he still had that romantic picture on top of his bed. He says, wow, this is the man I want to, I, I, I want to talk to about marriage before I go, my chassan schmooze. No, don't start telling me all the alochas. Tell me how, how to keep that picture up. You know what I mean? So I'll tell you, look, I spent 10 years in that institution, the best 10 years of my life, the honest truth. That was in Canadian, you know what I mean? It was, it was an Athenian experience of, uh, of wow, you know, it's all thought and thought and thought and thought. It was, it was Canadian. You wouldn't even know what it is anymore. Can you imagine having a chavrusa with four guys with the mirror shiver of Chayosh Malevus every Shabbos afternoon and going to whatever? I can tell you names of which we went, yeah, we went to learn by them. It was beautiful. It was Ganadin. It was like, what can be nicer? Can you imagine? So here I am, and he, he, I go into him and I say, okay, I says, oh, how many years are you here? So I says, well, 10. What did you learn here? Oh, come on, be nice. This is what the chiller. So I thought, well, this and this. What else? What's up, Bichalachas the Galate? What books have you read? What's up, the Gemara? This. What else? Okay. And it, it was very keen. He didn't know what he wanted from me. He seriously drove me crazy. Tell me everything you learned or read since you came here. I'm a voracious reader, so that's like a, crazy. Okay, so I, I don't know where he was going. I come to you to talk about marriage, and you're asking me my, 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 my CV. So he says, okay, I want you to know something, young boy. If you can't pour all that in the cup of coffee you pour to your wife every morning, you didn't learn anything. If that tire and that information, that wisdom doesn't translate itself in day-to-day life, and you learned nothing. So don't say you learned anything until you know that you can pour that into a cup of coffee. Hashemayim kisi Can you translate that into values? Can you translate that into the mundane, the gray areas of what next, where there's no legislation? Can you live Taira as part of who you are? Not because it's an obligation. Not because of guilt. You're not, excuse me, Jesus on the cross. Because that's who you are. Those are your values. Those are your instincts. That's your paradigm. That's your culture. That's what these great people taught me. So if anybody, young person, ever looks for a mentor, that's what you look for. Find a person who cares about you, Find a person which is hell normal. Find a person which is broad. Find a person who really cares about the small person.
person which can translate all that into literally day-to-day life. Those are great people. I come to learn that the great people are the most normal people in the world. The great people are the most inclusive people in the world. And the, the more secluded you are, and the less inclusive you are, the smaller you are. That's all I have to teach you tonight. Make the most of it. Thank you so much, Abby. Okay, I found the deal. <laughs> thank you, Rabbi, and a big thank you to the Ensigns for sponsoring uh, this evening. And uh, those uh, that will be at BRS West uh, Chambers, just got me to hear a lot more. Enjoy. Thank you.